Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Off Topic Hot Topic, a bonus episode of the Hunting Seasons podcast. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Paul Mitzi. That was the greatest night in the history of television. Off Topic Hot Topic. That's whatever you were talking about for you. In case you don't know, Off Topic Hot Topic is where we talk about the headlines of the TV and entertainment world and discuss the stuff we've been watching, reading, playing, and generally consuming. You should also know that we love getting topic suggestions from our listeners. So if you'd like to contribute a question, topic, or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingscast. Our first thing I want to mention, I am pretty sick. So if I sound a bit miserable... Sorry, if you skip this episode because you're like, I don't want to listen to Broad being a snotty mess, I don't blame you. Uh, but if you do keep listening, you're going to be listening to me and Paul Mitzi, who's joining me again for this Off Topic Hot Topic. How are you doing, Paul? Good. I'm not a snotty mess, so better you than are. you. So you can do most of the talking and then we'll uh, we'll try and uh, even it up that way. I don't think your listeners want that. <laughs> do you don't think so? <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Um, we're going to go through some headlines, some new stuff. Then we'll do a very brief, uh, including the Oscars. If you didn't recognise the light at the start of this, we were mentioning, uh, referencing the latest Oscars uh, that are on just over the weekend. Uh, we'll do a bit of what we've been watching. And then we're going to do a mini review of Upload Season 2 because I couldn't conv- convince Damask to do it. Uh, in fact, I didn't want to do it, but Paul badgered me until I said I would. So we'll do a little bit of that at the end. There'll be a spoiler review. In the meantime, though, let's go through some headlines. And I want to start with the two big news stories that dropped almost the moment after we finished recording our last Off Topic Hot Topic. Firstly, animated show from Matt Groening Futurama is getting a revival on Hulu. This being the show's third revival, from my count. Um, Originally, John DiMaggio, the voice of Bender, was looking like he might not return, but in the time since this announcement, he has come around and has now agreed to be on board. Are you a fan of Futurama, Paul? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like some of the seasons, like especially when they started doing kind of the movie slash seasons. Uh, The first revival, we might say. Yeah. Yeah. those weren't so strong if they felt like, especially watching them as movies, they really yeah. outstayed their welcome. But you know, we reviewed uh, the body swap episode from one of the later seasons mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, on my show, and it was really funny. Um, so uh, I think the show has potential to be good again. Certainly, it does. I was a massive fan of the original four seasons. Mm-hmm. I had... I was working at Big W in high school and I saved up to buy all of them on DVD, basically. Loved that show to bits. We'd go to sleep watching that show. And then the revival, yeah, those movies weren't great, I don't think. And I never really got through the second revival, which is where it became sort of a normal episodic television show again. Um, I have seen episodes from that that run and there was some really good stuff in there and there were some that were pretty, what, straight up average, I think. And so, I don't know, I'm curious... But I'm, and, and maybe even optimistic to a degree, but there's a part of me that's definitely worried that a show being revived for the third time, its fourth go around, can it really keep 
being good or can it even is it possible for it to get better than the last revival um is that there's a reason this show was cancelled three times is what i'll say and so i'm skeptical at the very least yeah i mean i think i'm one of the only people i know that has been a big fan of Disenchantment, the latest. You're the only person I know. Yeah. Um, there's, I, I just appreciate, I especially appreciate the animation. I think the animation is really beautiful in that show. Um, but, um, yeah, so I've never really soured off of Matt Groening. I guess I don't watch the Simpsons anymore though. So, um, I gave up on that ship quite a while ago. So he's definitely not immune of like, outstaying his welcome with shows that should have ended a long time ago. And there's always that, like, there's a part of me is like, so why is Futurama coming back now? Is there something that's changed? They're like, oh, we need, we're relevant again. Or is, did Hulu back up a truckload of money to Matt Groening and David X. Cohen's house and say, please make this show. The metrics tell us that we're going to make money if you do. I think um, it's that one. And that, that's, that's net there. Yeah, it's, the, uh, the thing is, as well, from what I've seen of the endings, the original ending, then the the most recent ending, they're all pretty strong and feel like a good place to leave off and don't push your luck mm. trying to do that for a fifth time or whatever it's going to be. It's like, yeah, uh, cynical, but hope, hopeful that it'll be good. The second piece of news that dropped just before or just after we recorded last time um, was that o- the Disney Plus Obi-Wan Kenobi series starring Ewan McGregor has an air date now of May 25th. And I think maybe they released the trailer since then as well. Um, are you looking forward to Obi-Wan Kenobi, Paul? Like, I'm going to watch it. Like, I I forced myself to finish Boba Fett. And <laughs> hopefully it's better than that. Um, even though that, like, when that show forgot that it was Boba Fett, it got a bit better. Um, yeah. But I am kind of sick of Tatooine. Like the f- seeing another show set on that planet, I'm not so hyped about. But the I think you've seen the some- trailer, right? Yeah. So it looks like is that Coruscant or somewhere uh, else? Coruscant, or probably not Coruscant. I don't think, but possibly, certainly a city that's got you know, a metropolitan vibe to it. And I can't remember. Maybe it was Coruscant, but um, the start of Rogue One, mm-hmm. um, Ando or Andor, whatever that guy's name is. Yeah. Um, he has a sequence at the start which is on a planet that's very similar, that sort of grungy, slightly neon lit sort of mm-hmm. cityscape going on. Um, maybe it's that planet or another. That, that's the thing, right? It's like there are literally, you can make up as many planets as you want and mm-hmm. tell us it's set there. I It's going to obviously start or more than likely start on Tatooine. I really hope that they do a good, they move it off, off world quickly anywhere mm-hmm. else because we've mm-hmm. seen far too much Tatooine in recent times. Yeah, But I'm excited. The only thing I really think stands up in the prequel trilogy is your McGregor's performance as Obi-Wan. He did the best with what he had and he yeah. did a good job. And I'm keen to see him return to the role with something that's maybe better written as a better story overall. And um, I think it could be, it could be cool. I'm hopeful, Mo- more hopeful about this in Futurama, weirdly enough. <laughs> I would love to see Hayden Christensen uh, redeem himself in this role. Like that would be great I, too. I would love him to like show, you know what? Give me a director that can direct actors and I can yeah. do something with this role. So I just wonder what those opportunities are going to be. Are they going to be flashbacks? And that'd be cool. Then we could get to see him sort of a side of Anakin that we haven't seen in live action before, mm-hmm. potentially. Um, maybe stuff that's people from the Clone Wars have seen, but others haven't. Um, or if he's going to be Darth Vader in this series, pardon me, if he's going to be Darth Vader, he's going to have to deal with the fucking suit the whole time. It's like, can we really get a... 
reliably mm. strong performance out of, I don't know. Be interesting to see what they decide to do. Very interested. Um, some other major headlines in the last couple of months. HBO have announced that in addition to their DCEU Peacemaker spin-off series, two Batman series, and a Dune series, they're also developing a prequel series to their recent Stephen King It movies, titled Welcome to Derry, which will be set in the 60s before the first movie and apparently deal with the origin of Pennywise the Clown. Are you a fan of those recent It movies, of Stephen King in general? Do you like the idea of a prequel series to the It universe? I thought the first It movie was really, really good. I enjoyed it. The second one was okay um, and kind of it took away a lot of the mystique behind it and revealed too much until it just wasn't scary anymore. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I'm not – like, I don't say – I wouldn't say I'm hyped about a TV series based on this. Like, I may give it a go. I never saw It Part 2. I liked Part 1, and the reviews for It Part 2 were so weak that I just never got around to it. I should probably watch that at home one day. It sounds like it's a long movie too, though, which... It is, yeah. doesn't help. Um, this is, I think it's just interesting watching HBO do this at the moment. They keep making TV spin-off series to different, ser- to different uh, franchises. Um, the fact that they've done this with Batman, they're going to do two series of those, apparently. This mm-hmm. Dune series that's coming up, we've already had Peacemaker, it's getting a second season, they're going to do it with It. This seems like it is a big push from them to like use existing cinema IP and turn it into TV shows as well, which is obviously what Disney Plus is doing. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I wonder where else they're going to go. I'm trying to think what else they own, but is this going to become a huge trend for HBO? Evidence suggests yes. And Peacemaker was such a strong start for them. If they can keep that up for a couple more shows, they'll have keep getting people on board and keep people watching, I think. So mm. expect more of this, whatever this is. Um, <laughs> not to be outdone, Paramount is creating their own cinematic universe with the announcement of not just a third Sonic the Hedgehog movie before the second one even arrived, but a spin-off Knuckles the Echidna Paramount Plus series. You excited for a Knuckles series there, Paul? Um, no. I mean, <laughs> I I watched the first Sonic in the cinema with my niece and nephew, and we all enjoyed it. And I'll, I was actually speaking to them tonight, asked them if they want to see the sequel. They're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so <laughs> I think we're going to go watch that as well. Um, but would I watch a TV series on it? Probably not, unless they do something amazing or unexpected with it, but... Well, the good news is that at least Idris Elba will be returning with his super sexy voice for the TV show. So we've got that to look forward to at least. Ooh. That's nice. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Disney have consolidated the already expansive Marvel Cinematic Universe a little bit by moving all of Netflix's Marvel shows, including Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, The Punisher, and yes, even The Iron Fist and Defenders, off Netflix and on to Disney+. Plus. ABC's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has also been added to Disney+, Plus, which alongside the ill-fated Inhuman series means every non-Disney Plus produced MCU show is now all in one place, I believe. I don't think I'm forgetting any of those. Um, that's a good move, I think, um, mm. putting it all in one place. The only thing they're probably missing from the movie side of things, they don't have the Sony Spider-Man films at this stage, but I imagine yeah. that they'll probably get there one way or another, um, <laughs> even if it's Disney buying Sony, which is quite possible. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, they're creating an amazing value there, which has always been the case with Disney+. Plus. If you like that Marvel stuff and it all being there and you're a fan of the, the Netflix sort of more adult take on these on some of these characters um did you were you a fan of those netflix shows all 
I watched the first season of Jessica Jones. I watched the first two seasons of Daredevil. I don't think I watched any of the other stuff. And I'd never got around to finishing the other ones. It just... They all seem like they were about three or four episodes too long each oh, season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so many speeches. Like everyone just like every episode was half people making speeches or talking about a previous experience. It's like fucking do don't tell. Like the re- there's a reason why these episodes are an hour each. Yeah. Cut some of this shit out. Um so yeah, each episode felt like 15 minutes too long and each season felt about 3 episodes too long and it just wore me down. Um and yeah, like Agents of Shield I probably stayed with for longer than the other ones, but mm-hmm. even that I've just kind of like cuz that's like a traditional network show. So there's yeah. like 20 episodes per season. Absolutely. Um but I did hear that the Netflix Shows were put on Disney Plus in America, and the American Disney Plus doesn't have Star like we do. So ah, it's, so yeah. it's not sort of been yeah kept away from the other stuff, even though it's yeah. much more adult. So when they did that, they introduced parental controls for the first time on Disney Plus. But now people are saying, for some reason, Disney has gone and re-edited Falcon in the Winter Soldier and taken all the blood out of it. All the blood, even like the blood on the shield, like the most iconic moment in the entire show. I don't know about the blood on the shield, but like I saw the shot of the guy getting beaten and stuff and there was blood splatters before and now they've been removed. We reviewed those Disney Plus shows um, up until the Defenders came out. We watched that mm-hmm. and then we didn't go back for this. Like, I think it was the second <laughs> season of Punisher. Yeah. Another season of Daredevil. We never went back. I think it was the third season of Jessica Jones as well. We just never went back to it. Uh, I think I watched a bit of Punisher as well and that, yeah, I just couldn't. Yeah, they 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 had some decent highs. There was far too many lows, and as you said, they were way too drawn out. We, I think, we actually almost did a marathon of these. I think we like watched one after the other after the other to defend them. This is in the early days of the podcast, and it mm-hmm. was a, it was a it was a bit of a slog by the end. I got to I got to say, uh, in some release dates for you, uh, Carly Menches and Liz Flahive, I believe, creative forces behind cancelled too soon Netflix series Glow, have a new anthology series of stories about women called Raw, debuting on Apple TV Plus on. April 15th. I didn't know about this show until I saw the trailer the other day, and it's coming very, very soon. The cast includes Nicole Kidman, Betty Gilpin, Alison Brie, Chris Lowell, uh, uh, Aldred Molina, no, Alfred Molina, I spelled that wrong, Isa Ray, Daniel Day Kim, Jack Johnson, Jace Manzoukas, uh, Gillian Bell, Nick Kroll, and more. Did you see the trailer for this at all? Yeah, you sent it to me, actually. Um, what do you think? It looks really cool. Um, it looks really cool. Really different. Um so it's like an anthology series. I'm yeah, guessing every episode it, something different. Kind of like in like I suppose Black Mirror is the, the modern day reference where yeah every episode is going to be a different story, um, disconnected. You would imagine from the other stories with a one of these notable actresses um, mm-hmm. at the centre of it. So there's a Betty Gilpin ep- episode called The Woman on the Wall, I think it is, where I yeah. think it's like a very literal interpretation of the idea of a trophy wife. It's got mm-hmm. Daniel Day Kim in it. Um, very interesting, amazing cast, some really cool people in it. And mm-hmm. after Glow, um, this has got my attention in a big way. And unlike other Apple TV Plus shows, all eight episodes will be available at once. They're not coming out um, week by week, which Apple TV Plus normally does. That's interesting too. Hmm. Better Call Saul is back on AMC for its final season starting April 18th. For those who are watching that, I really need to catch up on that show. I haven't watched a single second. On April 20th, Russian Dolls season two will finally arrive on Netflix. Long awaited. Um, did you? Were you a fan of season one of Russian Doll? 
Loved it. Loved it. Probably my favorite show of that year or close to it. Um, really looking forward to that. Wondering if they can sort of lightning can strike twice on that one because it was a pretty unique show at the time. Um, but I'm certainly going to give it a chance because the season one was so good. Uh, go back and listen to that episode. We, we raved about that show. Uh, if April wasn't already packed enough, Barry season three is also finally coming to HBO on April 24th. Barry is... Also one of my favourite shows on television in the last five years or so. Season one and two of Barry are both sensational. I can't wait for season three. And I've got high... Based on season two being so good, I've got high expectations that season three will be great. Have you watched Barry? I started watching it and I... It was before I had um, Binge and it was I was watching it on the high seas um, uh-huh. and I never got around to finishing it. But I think season three coming out will... Give me the incentive to go back, start from the beginning again, get them yep. out of the way and watch season three with everyone else. Yeah, you should do that. Yeah, uh, yeah, you've got three weeks. Get get to it, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jason Bateman's Netflix thriller series. I think it's a thriller. I've never really watched it. Uh, series Ozark will mm-hmm. drop its final episodes on April 29th. Um, did you watch Ozark at all? No, I've know so many people are obsessed with it. But They're, Okay, cool. It's one yeah. of those shows I feel like, I think early days it was compared to like Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. And that had some appeal, but I've never gotten around to it. Uh, the first volume of Stranger Things Season 4 is coming to Netflix on May 27th, and the second, five weeks later, on July 1st. So, A, we're getting a release date for Stranger Things Season 4, which we've been waiting for for a while. But this is a definite break for Netflix, who previously have released each season of Stranger Things all at once. And I've said in the past that they should release episodes weekly, like Apple TV Plus and and, um, Disney Plus have been doing with their shows, to keep the conversation going longer than it's out, and then a week later, everyone's watched and have moved on. Mm -hmm. Uh, It looks like they may have found sort of a middle ground there with this sort of releasing one half and the other half um, Mm -hmm. within a few weeks of each other. Do you like this idea? Are you looking forward to Stranger Things Season (sighs) 4? I don't know, is Stranger Things like the last event television that we've had? Like, I can't think of another show that feels like an event, like when Stranger Things drops. Like, I love this show, and I know so many people that do, and it just creates such a conversation. Like, there's very few shows on TV that I think get this much hype, and I think it's very much like a flagship for Netflix. I can't think of another show, really, that, that will get as much hype as this. Yeah, definitely. It, well, I mean, it was funny how it came about. It sort of, um, it was like the biggest hit of that summer when the first season came out in a weird way. I don't know. The, I think it was a bad year for summer blockbusters. <laughs> and then I remember coming, I think it was away and I came back and everyone was talking about Stranger Things and loved season one. I think season two was a bit of an event. Season three, I really liked season three, <laughs> but I don't feel like it quite took hold the way the first season did. Um I wonder if it's still an event, if that makes sense. I wonder if maybe they take too long between seasons, if it loses momentum too fast. Mm. Um, I don't want to say like the Mandalorian and stuff is an event because they do the week by week thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, because I think even the Star Wars stuff, people are starting, and like the Marvel stuff and the Star Wars stuff, there's just so much of it that I think Mm. people are starting to wane on it a bit. Like, did anyone talk about Boba Fett, really? Like, no, not really. No. Are people talking about Moon Knight? The first episode of that came out yesterday here. Um, Mm. I think there's a general buzz about it, but it's early days. I don't know. And it's also, I suppose it's Stranger Things in this instance now, it is a known quantity. Moon Knight is not... 
Yeah. Um, Actually, I just thought of what the last event was on TV, which was, was and just like that. Ugh. <laughs> say I'm what sad you to will say about you might be might be right. Yeah, say what you will about the quality, but the conversation, and the and cultural I, impact of that show. Euphoria is apparently the second most watched TV show on HBO, and that's uh, Game mm. of Thrones was the one before that, right? That was their their biggest one. Yeah. Um, I don't watch Euphoria. I haven't watched it yet, but yeah. I can't deny that every motherfucker's talking about that show. And so that's another case of a giant break between seasons that actually did the show very well because well, it, it allowed people to catch up. But that's, I don't see Stranger Things has that problem though. It's like its mm. momentum was up here around season two and it sort of feels like it's been declining. Euphoria, a bit like, and not to this more of a level than like Succession. Succession has grown in popularity over time, mm-hmm. but its audience is nowhere near as big. And that's mm-hmm. because people get time to catch up and, and get hear about how good it is. I feel like HBO is actually very good at that. That really mm. happened with Game of Thrones. Game mm. of Thrones got bigger and bigger and bigger the more it got on because people got like more and more into it and everyone, it became a cultural phenomenon you had to catch up on basically. Yeah. Um, so no, interesting. Disney Plus, speaking of Disney Plus, we were talking <laughs> about Marvel. Uh, Disney Plus teen superhero series Ms. Marvel will de- debut on Disney Plus on June 8th. Um, there was a new trailer that released with that as well. It looked pretty cool. Had some minor Lizzie McGuire vibes, I would even say, Paul. Yeah, Did you get it, that? It looked more like, or it looked and felt more like a Disney Channel show than a Marvel show, show sure. to me. Do you so, think that's a good thing or a bad thing or yet to be determined? I mean, I think it's good that, you know, they've got Marvel as a brand and they can obviously do a lot with it than just make the standard Marvel product over and over again. And I think they have done that a couple of times. Um, you know, even Big Hero 6 is, the a, one I was is thinking a, of. a Marvel show, you know. and It is. It, and it's, weirdly not canon or not really ever put in relation to the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they'll ever wrote that in, especially now they've got a multiverse. I don't mm. see why not. It's a good movie. Yeah. They are making that Baymax show. I'm not sure if that's out yet, actually. I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, Peaky Blinders is returning for its final season on Netflix on June 10th. Do you watch Peaky Blinders, Paul? Never watched it. Me either. HBO, <laughs> Game of Thrones, prequel, se- sequel, prequel, sorry, prequel series, House of the Dragon will premiere on August 21st, which will put it in direct competition with fellow high fantasy Amazon series, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which is an official premiere date of September 2nd. So only two weeks later, um, which that date a drop side alongside a teaser trailer. Are you excited for either of those shows, which are now both coming out later this year? I think if you gave me a choice and said, like, you can only watch one, I would have to watch The Lord of the Rings show. Absolutely. Um, it's just we've all been burnt by the Game of Thrones universe. It's gonna, it's, it's a hard sell. I think um, it's funny because I was burnt by the Lord of the Rings as well. I don't like the Hobbit trilogy all that much mm-hmm. at all. I've never watched any of them more than once. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love the Lord of the Rings that much, and that I guess is a situation where that first trilogy is so good that even though its first prequel trilogy, the Hobbit, didn't work out, there's still that hope that. They know they've done it before. They can do it again. Mm. Whereas with Game of Thrones, there was great for a long time until it wasn't. And that was the first series. And you're like, well, if they stuffed that up, can they actually make a good series that does stick the landing? Like there's no, it doesn't actually, even though it was the biggest show in the world and my favorite show to, at the time, it it lost so much ground and so much mind share so quickly that I am very skeptical about that show. I think the other thing is like Lord of the Rings 
The Hobbit was the prequel, so the Lord of the Rings was the ending, and they stuck the ending. True, true. Whereas Game of Thrones completely fucked the ending. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's hard to go from that point. Yeah, totally. Uh, HBO's The Last of Us TV series has been delayed out of 2022 and into 2023. Uh, in tangential news, it's been reported that Amazon Prime Video is in negotiations to adapt another PlayStation IP, this time God of War, into a TV series of their own. Um, how do you feel about that delay? And do you like the idea of a God of War TV series? Uh, Last of Us was too hard for me, so I gave up. Um, and God Those of games War- are overrated. <laughs> and God of War, I've played a bit of the PlayStation 4 version of that, and it was okay, like fun Viking kind of fantasy world. I could see that working. It would be interesting to see what they choose to do, because obviously there was a whole trilogy plus spin-off games of God of mm-hmm. War before that, which was a very different tone to what the reboot sort of was, or the re-sequel, or whatever you want to call it was, mm-hmm. um, of God of War on the PlayStation 4. So whether they choose to go back to the origins of Kratos um, with the Greek mythology or with the stuff with the Nordic mythology, um, yeah, I'll be fascinated to see what they do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff from the more recent game seems like it's more likely to mm-hmm. work narratively on TV um, and and be successful, I guess, as an adaptation. The stuff from the old, the original games on the PS2 and onwards would need to be very spectacular all the time and be very yeah there's a there's, it's it's maybe too edge lord for what i think we want tv shows these days there's not a, there's not enough um not enough character there i think that being built into the series as it was so then yeah i'll be interested and, to see if that and happens. i i think the trend right now is stoic um yes. main character taking care of a younger character um so you mean the last of us that tv series that's coming or the Mandalorian, or, or, the Mandalorian. Halo, or Halo, or any of these shows, they've all got the same. There's a, he's taking care of a younger character in yeah. Cortana. I haven't watched the first episode no, yet. No, uh, Halo, yeah, basically, um, instead of uh, Baby Yoda, it's a Korean teenager. Ah, okay, right. Interesting, interesting. I'm sure fans yeah. are super happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, In renewal news, as reported in our season one review episode a few weeks ago, HBO is bringing back James Gunn DCEU Peacemaker series for a second season. Did you watch season one? Yeah, I just finished it last night, actually. What do you think? I loved it. It was very good. Very, very good. Looking forward to a season two of that. (laughs) Also, we did talk about this in the show, but I'll briefly say that with you. James Gunn is going to write and direct all the episodes of the second season. I thought his directed episodes of season one were the best episodes, so... Mm -hmm. Potentially an increase in quality again on so season came. one. So okay. Also reported in our season one review last week, Apple TV Plus have renewed Lord of Miller comedy murder mystery series, The After Party, for another go around as well. I know you're watching that because we were talking about that back and forth online. Mm-hmm. What did you make of The After Party, Paul? I season thought one. it was a ton of fun. I pretty much agree with everything you guys said in your review. Um, I don't think there's anything I could argue with. Um, I'm so keen for more Tif- Tiffany Haddish. I love her mm-hmm. and um, I'm... If she's the only returning one, I'm happy with that. But um, bring back as many of those guys as you can because they're all great. I, yeah, I I think we can only rely on Tiffany Haddish being back. I like the idea of it being a whole new cast and mm. um, just make sure, you, as long as it's stacked as well or more than season one, yeah, that'll be mm-hmm. super fun. Uh, and before we get to our, before we even get to our review of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel season four, which should be coming in about a week or so, 
That show has also been renewed by Amazon for a fifth and final season. Are you a fan of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Paul? I fucking love it. I fucking love it. I've, I'm kind of conflicted at the moment because I don't want to burn through the new season too quickly because I just mm-hmm. love having new episodes to look forward to, but I also want to listen to your review next week. So, sure. um, But I'm about halfway through the new season it's just comfort food for me, but it's like the best kind of comfort food because it's so well made. <laughs> so, if there's if I, without spoiling my thoughts on season four, if there's one thing that show has always had for it is it's exquisitely well crafted mm-hmm. on a on a technical level at the very least. Mm-hmm. Boy, there's no other show doing what it does. I don't think. Yeah. Um it is gorgeously put together. That show. Mm. Are you? Without having seen the end of season four, obviously, how do you feel about the idea that the fifth season will be its last? I love the idea of any show knowing that it's going to end. Like, I would rather a show know it's going to end and be able to do a really solid ending than go on forever. I've seen too many shows that I've loved destroy themselves. So if five is all they want to do and like... Especially a show, this is reportedly one of the most expensive shows on TV. Like, Mm. I understand. I'd rather this than a compromised, cheaper version of it. So, yeah. I agree. I I think fifth season, as much as I enjoy that show, um, know your end point. Don't try and stretch it out longer than you have to. And now that ending, the way you want to. No better way for a show to go out. Uh, Hulu has given How I Met Your Father a second season green light. Are you looking forward to another season of How I Met Your Father, Paul? I'm really happy for Hillary that she is <laughs> employed for another year, <laughs> that she has double the amount of episodes next season. Um, I love that's That's how you, you're framing it. It's not like, <laughs> I'm looking forward to more. I'm just happy Hillary's getting work. Like, I hope we get to review this show because I'm interested to, to get <laughs> in depth about this show with you guys if if it happens but like I've so far made it two minutes into the first episode and turned it <laughs> off it it's just it feels it does feel like a relic of another time yeah. um but i have to say once i kind of just let myself go and watched it i don't think i laughed at all in the first season sure but it definitely was a pleasant watch and I did by the end of the first season really care about the the main plot the romantic plot that they were putting forward so um like I happily watch a second season 20 minute episodes get to see Hilary Duff like I what more really, could you yeah, ask for what what more could I ask for really <laughs> Uh, speaking, of, we were speaking of Halo just minutes ago. Paramount Plus's Halo TV series, um, which I think has only had one, maybe two episodes out so far, is also yeah. getting a second season. Oh wow! Um, and apparently, the most watched show on Paramount Plus at this stage, which is a mm-hmm. big deal for them. Uh, Netflix have renewed Never Have I Ever for a fourth and final season. Um, the third season doesn't even have a premiere date yet. But um, again, similar to Maisel, I didn't love the second season of that show. I always feel like it's a good sign when there's saying that stuff before a, a season comes out and they're like planning for an ending. That's a good place to be. Do, do, you, mm-hmm. do you like Never Have I Ever? Have you been kept up with that? Yeah, I fucking love it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> HBO's True Detective brand is getting a reboot of sorts uh, for a new series, True Detective Night Country. 
It seems like series creator Nick Pizzolotto might not be as involved with this one, if at all, potentially, with Isa Lopez and Barry Jenkins taking the helm instead. We don't know anything about this show yet, apart from its title. Um, we've reviewed all three seasons of True Detective on Hunting Seasons. Love the first season. Still think that's a absolutely perfect show, basically. Season two, not good. Season three, a lot better. Are you up to date with True Detective? Are you looking forward to a, a sort of a spin-off series or a fourth season? I literally have not watched one minute of this show. Whoa. Um, don't go out of your way for season two at all, but yeah, I can't not recommend season one. Okay. That's a, that's a five out of five show for me. Sorry, but, you I'm, know, I'm, I'm too busy watching How I Met Your Father. Of course, of course, you know, <laughs> priorities and all that. <laughs> Meanwhile, FX have renewed anthology series Fargo for a f- fifth season with no release date set as of yet, a show I'd like to catch up on because I haven't seen much of that at all. Uh, UK comedy show and My Happy Place Taskmaster is returning for a series 13 on Channel 4 in the UK on April 14th. I'm happy about that, but I want to talk to you about something else with Taskmaster as well before we wrap up the sort of the new segment. Taskmaster also announced something pretty interesting recently. Their very own Taskmaster-only streaming service, which they are tongue-in-cheekly calling Taskmaster Supermax Plus. Great title. Taskmaster has been notoriously hard to find via legitimate means internationally. In Australia, for example, you can watch series 7 to 11 on Foxtel and series 10 and 11 on Binge, but not the most recent series 12 or series 1 to 6. So it's like... (laughs) Very confusing. Less than half of the stuff is available to watch it by legitimate means. Taskmaster Supermax Plus aims to be a solution to that, starting with access to Series 1 to 6 and adding series virtually every week. They're adding Season 7 next week, Season 8 the week after that, etc., etc. They're building on it week by week, basically. The service will also include access to international versions of Taskmaster, including Taskmaster New Zealand and Norwegian version Kongen... Kongen? Kongen? Bafel, Befal, I don't know, I'm even trying this. The Norwegian <laughs> version of Taskmaster. Yeah. The series does have a 30 day free trial, but when that ends, you'll be looking at an annual fee of $49 Australian uh, or $5.99 Australian a month. So, have you watched much Taskmaster, if any? Actually, last week, Lucy. Uh, my co-host for Swapcast Podcast introduced me to my first ever episode. We I went over her house and she showed me an episode. Do you, do, you, do you remember what series it was from or who was on? Um, So it was the one where the sexy mustachioed guy had to fart on command. <laughs> okay, great. That's a uh, decent episode, that one. It's a good series too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. It seemed like a fun show. It, would I subscribe to an entire streaming mm. service just for it? Probably not. That's the bit I'm interested in. Even as a, a massive fan, it's like I'm not going to be buying an annual subscription to Taskmaster. However, I could see this being something that I would maybe twice a year, maybe when a new series comes out, especially if it uh, releases alongside it. I did resubscribe to at $6 a month for a show that I loved a bit mm-hmm. or just really felt like a hit of Taskmaster, like pay that 6 bucks as much as it is to rent a movie basically mm-hmm. online just for a month of access to the whole thing everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's available on Apple TV through Apple, I mean, not Apple TV Plus, but Apple TV through Amazon mm-hmm. um, Fire or whatever it is, those sorts of things. Um, so, like, that's cool. I, I, I quite like this idea, not as something that I would subscribe to annually, but as, like, 
I can pay a nominal fee and have access to the whole thing on the occasions that I do want it. I can directly support the creators rather than supporting fucking Murdoch Media through Foxtel and through Binge. Like, I think there is a way of of using this almost as a tool appropriately and it would be good value, I think. And as, especially if you're catching up and you've never seen it before. Like, and there are 13 series of this fucking thing, plus the international versions. If you suddenly fell in love with it, you could pay for two months and get through the whole thing. And it'd be amazing value. I think like they need to put something else on it besides their own show. The one th- other thing I'm thinking of is Wow Presents Plus, which is RuPaul's uh, streaming service, oh, right, which okay. basically has every version of RuPaul from around the world, every season from mm-hmm. every show. But then they've put a lot of like, obviously they're like, well, gay people love RuPaul. So there's a lot of like gay themed content on there. Sure. Um, so that you have at least something else besides RuPaul. Even though there's a lot of people that will just watch RuPaul and repeat for their entire lives. Sure. So, you just want to, you create that, that feeling of value. Yes. Of, yeah, totally. That's why I don't know what they'll be able to do because- I guess they just must have owned the rights in a very specific way that Alex mm-hmm. Horn has held onto the rights in a very specific ways, been able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what else they. I doubt there's anything out there they could create or, yeah, you'd, it'd be interesting trying to find what they could add to that service. But yeah, I wouldn't see it as like I'm not going to add this alongside my Netflix and my Amazon. It would be mm-hmm. a like, okay, this is a Taskmaster month. Here's six dollars, and I'll pay six dollars. Um, it's, it's, it's a, a one coffee in Melbourne. Fucking, I'll well, pay that for all that Taskmaster. I guess it's like when we used to buy season box sets of shows. Totally, totally. Like all those Futurama fucking box sets. So all those Buffy, well, I can see them behind you. All their Buffy box sets on the yeah, <laughs> and they're like half of those are half seasons. They're not even a full season of yeah. Television. And they, they're like, they used to be sixty dollars per half yeah, season. Yeah, that was fuck. Nuts. What a waste of fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> one day we'll review that season one of Buffy. One day. Uh, in cancellation news, the Netflix reboot of the Babysitters Club has been cancelled after two seasons, which a lot of people are very sad about. I watched a few mm. episodes of season one. It was good. It just wasn't my cup of tea necessarily. Did you? watch mm-hmm. any of that i didn't know okay and not exactly cancellation but the long in development and oft reported on in our off topic hot topic episodes live action beauty and the beast prequel series uh centered around gaston and lefou is apparently not going ahead at least for now there have been some big production problems with scripts and songs and they were having to keep moving the scheduling of when they were going to um, film it and then basically they couldn't keep doing it because they're going to lose access to the uh to their core stars, and so it's been put on the back burner for now. So it may never happen. Maybe one day it'll show up. Who knows? In other news, thank God, Shout Factory is apparently bringing back ALF in some slash many forms. It's what we've been all been waiting for. ALF is back, and not just in POG form, but in <laughs> who knows what. IP, 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 content, 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 Paul. Oh, we crave that sweet, sweet content. Do we? <laughs> Do we really? <laughs> I just thought that was an amazing follow-up to our Gumby stuff we talked about in the last Off Topic Hot Topic. Do like, you reckon they'll do a crossover? Oh, an Alpha and Gumby crossover. God, don't don't get me so excited. Oh, my God. Uh, did you see the, the trailer for Paramount Plus's The Fairly Odd Parents live action sequel series, The yeah. Fairly Odd Parents, Fairly Odder? Yes. What What, what did you think? Uh, well, first of all, are you a fan of the original Fairly Odd Parents animated show? Mm, I've watched episodes here and there. I think I was just a little bit too old for that yeah. show when it came out. But the series 
it's definitely not there to appeal to the people that watched it originally. Mm-hmm. Like, it just mm-hmm. looks like your standard Nickelodeon live-action TV show. A hundred percent. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend I'm a massive fan of Fairly Odd Parents, but I have watched episodes and actually mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoyed a few of them. I think it's a funny show, funnier than maybe people give it, uh, would expect for that sort of Nickelodeon or Cartoon mm-hmm. Network, whatever it was, show. Um, boy, this, this live-action series looks rough. Real rough. Mm. Uh, the most prolific film score composer of our time, Michael Giacchino, is apparently directing an hour-long Marvel Halloween special for Disney+. Plus. This is supposedly based on the Marvel horror comic, horror comic I've never heard of before, Werewolf by Night, which is apparently the comic uh, that Marvel, uh, sorry, Moon Knight first appeared in in the comics. Um, mm. uh, you, yeah, how do you feel about that? The idea of like a composer directing a TV special. That's an odd choice. Yeah, I've, I'm trying to think if there's any, been any precedent for this. I can't, think, I of can't think of anything. No. Um, yeah, I'll give I mean, it a go. I'm, I'm sh- he's earned his way with everyone at this point, not just Disney, but everyone, I think. So good for him. I hope it goes well for him. Uh, and finally, finally news, CBS and Australian TV network Channel 10 are reportedly developing a reality show version of The Love Boat called... The Real Love Boat, in which the captain and cruise director try to get singles on a cruise ship to fall in love. I only bring this up because a while back, on what I can only assume was an episode of Off Topic Hot Topic, it was definitely recorded, I called out The Love Boat would get a reboot (laughs) in the not-too-distant future, and I'm claiming it. I didn't expect it to be a reality show, but I fucking, like, what will they reboot next? The Love Boat? And lo and behold, it happened. You looking forward to that at all, Paul? I mean, it has potential. I knew. I knew this would be up your alley. <laughs> I want to be on it. Ooh, that's let's, a good idea. Let's get me on it. Maybe you should sign up Channel 10 and all those those stations in Australia. They all have, um, like, you can sign up to be told when they're, they're casting for new shows. You get on it. That'd be great. Mm. I like that idea. <laughs> uh, all right. There is one other thing we need to talk about that's happened recently. Before, I suppose this is what we've been watching. The Oscars mm. happened over the weekend. Pretty bland affair. Nothing particularly memorable happened. They're like, oh, wait, there was that one thing. Yeah. What do you Cut. want to start with, Paul? Should we talk about the ceremony first? Should we talk about the award winners? Yeah, let, let's um, let's do the ceremony first. Okay. Take it away. You can, you can lead this part. Uh, I have to say, for the most part, I enjoyed this Oscar ceremony, especially compared to last year's shit show, which was Nothing. the worst ever Oscars by far. It could, it would have been a, a, a really massive effort to be worse than last year's Oscars. That yeah. was atrocious. But for the most part, this, this year felt like a normal Oscars ceremony. Mm. It had clips for all the nominated movies. Yes. So it actually felt like it was celebrating the films themselves. It was, uh, they had made the controversial con- uh, decision to award some of the awards before the ceremony and then mm. edit them back in, which I hated the sound of, but actually didn't hate it in practice. It just meant we didn't have the part where they walked up to to the stage. We pretty much got to see everything anyway. Um, the, uh, by all reports, the, the speeches were really edited down though. Um, yeah. And we didn't get like... I guess the problem for me was they were talking about doing that because they wanted to make the show shorter. Mm-hmm. And instead, the show, they wanted to get it under three hours and it went for three hours and 40 minutes or something like that. Like, it did yeah. not succeed whatsoever. And instead, just meant that people below the line, as they say, awards for um, mm-hmm. careers below the line, um, 
weren't getting the recognition they should get necessarily. And like one of my favorite speeches on the night was the the woman whose name I can't remember off the top of my head who won for like best costume design. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's cool to spend some time with the people that like she must be so well known within Hollywood circles and an absolute icon. Mm-hmm. that everyone wants to get on their movies. And we only get to see her once every couple of years when she wins an Oscar. Mm-hmm. And I just think, like, that's the sort of stuff that I I do enjoy that about the Oscars. It's not just about your Brad Pitts and your Angelina Jolie's or not that yeah. they were even featured this year. But, like, that we get to see, uh, celebrate the other creative parts behind the people in front of the camera. And uh, I was a bit disappointed by that. But, I mean, it didn't completely cut their speeches out. Not like, completely. we still get to see, see them. And I think if they did something especially compelling or interesting, they would have left it in. Like, I don't know exactly what got cut out of these speeches, but it was probably something inconsequential, I'm I guessing. I mean, there was a lot of talk that one of the speeches, I can't remember, before, maybe production design or something like that, was especially about below-the-line um, creators in Hollywood mm-hmm. who aren't getting enough recognition. That didn't make it into the speeches, into okay. the speech <laughs> that made the live telecast, that sort of stuff. So, like, yeah. yeah. I, I think... They def- did definitely cut out the wrong stuff and added new... Like, sorry, they didn't cut out the right stuff. So the montages, every year, everyone's like, why are these montages mm-hmm. here? And again, this year, we had a useless montage about all the Bond movies and a useless montage about Godfather that took up time for no reason whatsoever. At least with the... At least with Bond, it was a mm-hmm. 60th anniversary, you know? It's like stupid mm-hmm. reason, but a reason. They could have also used the opportunity to announce who the next Bond was going to be. That would mm-hmm. have made it an event, you know what I mean? Yeah. It would have made it feel like it had something. Was it the 50th anniversary for The Godfather? Mm-hmm. Then they had the 28th anniversary of Pulp Fiction. But that was just an excuse to have those three people present don't, the award. Don't mention it's the 20th anniversary. Just say, mm-hmm. and now... For the first time in three, you know, twenty-eight years or whatever, or just whatever reason, just say the stars of cult classic or yeah, you know, Oscar-winning Pulp Fiction or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd just be happy to see Samuel Jackson and Uma Thurman and John Travolta on stage together, just for the sake of it. I don't need it. I don't need the pretense of a twenty-eighth anniversary. Yes, exactly. That was dumb. Um, I thought that the three hosts, Wanda Sykes, Regina King, Amy Schumer, were genuinely funny. I think they were Amy- relatively good. Amy Schumer, I think, was the standout. She had some genuinely good laughs in there. Um, the skits didn't outstay their welcome. I really mm. liked um, when Regina King brought up all the sexy guys in the audience and then talked about tonguing them. That's I, been controversial, that one a little bit. Well, you know what? I don't care. I thought it was <laughs> hilarious and I deeply related to it. So anyone that has a problem with it can fuck off. <laughs> In a post, in a post, uh, I know it's a little bit different, but in yeah. a post um, Harvey Weinstein world, I don't know whether we should be, you know, touching people under. Um, you can't tell me those guys weren't all prepped beforehand about that that they were going to be. E- on even stage. if they were prepped, it's still, I don't know. I I understand why some people might be upset about that. I didn't bother me that much, but yeah. double standards is that what we're talking about here? I don't know. Yeah. I get it, but I also don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought it was really funny. Um, Yeah. 
So I, I thought some of the full speeches we did get, like especially Troy Kotz of uh, um, mm-hmm. Best Supporting Actor, like that, that brought cool. tears, tears to my eyes for sure. Um, I love the moment between Liza Millenni, Millenni, Millenni? Liza Millenni and Hand La- back your gay card. What <laughs> the know, fuck was that? I know. <laughs> and Lady Gaga was really beautiful. Um, like she, her just saying like, I've got you and all oh, the respect. Was it was sweet. just so, so lovely. I love um, the way she announced the winner as well. Yeah. Uh, just like, all right, Coda. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> just no build up whatsoever. That was fucking amazing. I think in terms of like the films that won, uh, I don't think there was any that I had an issue with. Um, Predictable the- choices for the most part. Yeah. Um, there, there was only one award that made me upset, like in terms of like, I really dislike the winner, which was best makeup and hairstyling for Eyes of Tammy Faye. Sure. I, have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. So, for some reason, they put fake cheeks, prosthetic cheeks and teeth on both Andrew Garfield and Jessica Chastain. Mm-hmm. And they're super distracting. Like you can like we're familiar with their faces and we know what they're supposed to look like and we can tell they've got fake cheeks on mm-hmm. the entire movie. It and then at the end, it cuts to the real versions of the characters they were playing. And their cheeks are completely different. So why the fuck did they do it? And they gave him the fucking Oscar for it. So that upset me. Um, but other than that, I, I thought every, like, June, give it all the technical awards. Yeah. Um, that's well-deserved. Coda obviously won Best Picture because the way that the Oscars do their voting, you you vote one to ten. So if that, everybody- That is why I picked it in our sweep. Yeah. Um, so if you it was going to be in everyone's it, top three, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody's going to hate that film. Exactly. No one's going to put it number one, but then it's going to end up number one. It's another green book. Exact. Well, yes, exactly right. And I think that's become. Uh, that's why Mo- I think and Moonlight very deserving of the Oscar. I think, but that was I think mm-hmm. the first year they did that, and that's mm-hmm. that's why I was like, there's going to be some people who really don't like La La Land. They're going to put it lower on their list. Mm-hmm. Um, and Moonlight was going to be in everyone's like top five films. I think from that list, and it's like that's yeah. that is how you can predict those things. That preferential voting system. Um, does make that a bit, bit more predictable and has in the last few years, except for maybe The Shape of Water yeah. was a little less, was a bit more surprising that was so high in everyone's list. And, par- and Parasite, I think. nobody. No, see, Parasite made perfect sense to me. I was like, there's a lot of people who won't put this as number one, but this will make it into a lot of people's top three, top four films on that list, I thought. Um, so Coda, I really enjoyed. I wouldn't say it's the best film of the year, but it made me cry. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it, you know, it is a well-acted film, so I'm not upset about it winning. Yeah, I've got very little to say about the award winners. I think the the overall the ceremony was definitely a return to form, sort of, based on last year. Um, it wouldn't have been the most memorable Oscars except for one other thing that happened. <laughs> and it's pretty crazy that it will no longer be the La La Land Moonlight uh, Best Picture scandal that will be considered the craziest moment in Oscar history. It is 100% going to be what happened between Chris Rock and Will Smith. And I don't want to talk about this too much Mm because God knows everyone's been talking about it. It's been talked about to death. Yes. But I'm interested just to know what your reaction was because you were watching it live, weren't you? Yes. So I I had no idea. I had no idea it was coming. Um, And should we explain the incident quickly? 
Yeah. For those so, who don't know, somehow. So basically, Chris Rock comes out to uh, announce Best Documentary. He decides to do a couple of quick jokes beforehand. One of them is he points to Jada Pickett-Smith, who's in the front row sitting next to her husband, Will Smith, says, Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2 coming soon. And at first, Will Smith laughs, then looks to his side and Jada Smith rolls uh, her eye. Jada Pinkett Smith rolls her eyes, cuts back to Chris Rock. Then all of a sudden, Will Smith crawls onto the stage, starts bounding. Walk, to- walks. I don't walk, believe walk. he crawls. <laughs> um, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be weird. I wish, I wish he crawls. That'd be amazing. Just all fours like a fucking like big cat. That'd be incredible. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he, he briskly walks up to Chris Rock. <laughs> uh, Chris Rock is like laughing. And then all of a sudden, Will Smith smacks him in the face, walks off. Chris... Uh, Chris Rock says, wow, Will Smith just beat the shit out of me. And at this point, I think everyone's still thinking it's a joke. That everyone's laughing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Will Smith yells out, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. And then Chris Rock retaliates, dude, it was a G.I. Jane joke. And then he repeats Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. And then uh, Chris Rock stumbles through the rest of the announcing of the best, best documentary. documentary was, yep. And the world has changed forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In a, in a weird way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, what are your feelings watching, watching this happen live? So, I think I was on a... a a bit of the same journey as everyone else in the auditorium. Like I thought it was a joke that, and then when Will Smith screamed out that I just like the, it felt like the breath just came all out of my body. Like I was, it was shocking. Like all I could do was like, cut my hands over my mouth and I just couldn't say anything. I was watching it with my friend and, I just couldn't say anything. And we were looking at each other like, what is happening? <laughs> and I was shaking. I, I had a visceral reaction to this. It was just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And it's it, it just, we we have an expectation of what happens at these events. Mm-hmm. And we also have an expectation of someone like Will Smith, mm-hmm. as what he's cultivated for himself. And just to see it all crashing down. Yeah. It just felt like the world was breaking. I really, I'm really disappointed and I never get to. So I, I, it's like the plan was always, I was remain spoiler free and watch in the evening with a few friends. And um, I did a good job, actually. I didn't know what happened. All I knew is it involved Will Smith. So mm-hmm. I, that, that much leaked through. And um, even then it was shocking to see it happen. Because I I couldn't I could not have predicted what it was going to be. At worst, I was thinking this is going to be a Kanye, you know, I'm going to let you finish moment sort of thing. Yeah. But the idea of someone being physically assaulted on stage was not on my bingo card. If that makes sense. Um. Yeah, the whole thing has been fascinating. Uh. Okay, I'm going to ask you an interesting question. Mm-hmm. 
how <laughs> feel free to say no comment if you don't want to. Do uh-huh. you have any thoughts on the Chris Rock joke? His joke about Jay Pinkett Smith and saying, looking forward to G.I. Jane 2. I think... I think that we don't know the full context uh, context mm-hmm. of this. I don't know how much he knows about her medical condition. Uh-huh. If he knew about the medical condition, I think it's indefensible. Uh-huh. I think if he didn't, it's still a pretty lazy joke. Yeah, at the very least, it's a tasteless and crappy joke. It's not a good joke, at, the, at, at least. I think it's actually surprising... I don't know if a lot of people remember that Chris Rock actually produced and directed and starred in a documentary mm-hmm. called Good Hair, which was completely about African-American women and their relationship to their hair. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's not he should not be insensitive to the challenges a lot of African-American women have with their hair and how they're perceived because of how they do their hair. So it's a very weird thing for him to hone in on, I found. Simi, he did a whole documentary about how people shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm, Totally. So Mm. it's very strange. And I know that he had a previous, you know, joke about her at another Oscars about mm-hmm. the fact that she was boycotting the Oscars that year because of Oscars So White, mm-hmm. and he pretty much suggested that she was only doing that because she wasn't invited in the mm-hmm. first place. Mm-hmm. So there seems to be some sort of history there. Mm. But I don't, like, I guess we can all agree that no matter what the context is, it's never okay to resort you to violence. Say we can all agree on that. I've seen far too many people say, um, even Tiffany, Tiffany Haddish, who said afterwards she thought it was a beautiful moment that she reveled in seeing Will Smith get up and defend his wife like that. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I think the joke is at very at the very least lazy, if not absolutely offensive and inappropriate. That being said, I also don't think two wrongs make a right, and I just I just keep thinking about that moment and. If Will had handled that moment differently, some people have said he could have had a quiet moment after after the show, or whatever like that. He could have. I even think if he got up there and like he could have walked up and said, "Chris, you're going to apologize to my wife for what you just said," and made him do it on stage, and he would have looked like a fucking hero for doing it. For he would have looked after his wife and defended her in a way that people um, would appreciate, and um, and he wouldn't, and he would come across looking like a I suppose it would have been white knighting, I guess people would have accused him of, but at least yeah. he wouldn't have come across looking like someone who is physically assaulting people he, who say things he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. He could have even, I would argue, if he had just gone up there and just smacked Chris and then sat back down and didn't say another word, I bet you we would have all walked away. It would have, The show would have continued fine. It was actually when he started yelling that the context became so clear that this was so serious and he was so angry that that's when it got awkward. Chris Rock, I thought, up until that point, was handling the, like, Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. He would have laughed about it, made a little joke, and kept going. And I don't think he would have stammered the same way, and we wouldn't have known whether it was a bit or not. And it would have mm-hmm. gone down as one of those, like, Oscar folklore things about, was that improvised? Mm-hmm. Was that planned? And we wouldn't be talking about it four days later. Yeah. 
Uh, it was, but what, and like, yeah, you can see everyone's reaction. The audience changed when, when Will starts shouting out, that's when it, that's when it all changed. And it is, uh, I just don't think we should be celebrating. I like, like, I'm not going to say for a second, I think violence is always inappropriate. I think there are times when violence can be appropriate, particularly when there is a physical danger or when there is real hate and malice behind something. I think it can be like the idea of punching a Nazi. It's hard for Mm -hmm. me to say that's not a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Um, But assaulting comedians who who were in the workplace doing their job, I don't think is a, a precedent we want to set. I think that's a very dangerous, dangerous thing. And that if we just start hitting people every time they say something we don't like, that, yeah, things could get very messy very quickly in the world for not just comics, but for everybody. I think it's a really, mm. really bad. I think that's that's the biggest problem. It's just like, it's not appropriate. It never should be. Um, but what, again, made it worse from my perspective is that the speech that Will gave, A, there's debate about whether he should have been kicked out of this ceremony at that point. The BAFTAs mm-hmm. have said he would have been removed. There's reports that even the Oscars organisers asked him to leave and he refused. There's a lot of different back and forth happening there. Will's speech talking about um, that love will make you do crazy things mm-hmm. is an awful sentiment that is the sort of thing, and this is not me accusing Will Smith of this, but saying that it's this kind of language that, that domestic abusers use to justify their actions and that we shouldn't be seeing someone who has got the reputation or the gravitas or the the notoriety that Will Smith has saying that and using that as an excuse for mm-hmm. hitting somebody um, because it gives power to, to others who would use that who as an excuse for even worse actions than what Will did. And that that made me that was the bit that made me feel even worse than watching the event take place. Well, and he also uh, using Denzel's words <clears throat> almost blamed the devil for his actions. There was a lot as of well. talk of God in there as well, and yeah. sort of religion came up a few times. Yeah, which you know, again and again through history, people use religion to excuse a lot of fucking shitty things. Mm. So it was it. it the speech definitely left a bad taste in my mouth, as it, as it did a lot of people. Um, the I was talking to you about this. We were doing a movie club thing before I recorded this. And the other thing I, I feel weirdly is sadness for Will Smith because it. I guess after this event, one of the things I expected to happen in the coming days was to start getting a lot of stories about, oh, this is not, you know, this Will Smith did this on the set of... I don't know, Wild Wild West or something like that. Or suddenly there's a history of like, Will Smith has has this in him and has always had this in him. And you just didn't see it before because he's so well cultivated his brand over so many decades of being in the, in the spotlight. Um, but this is the real Will Smith you're seeing for the first time sort of thing. And that hasn't happened. It's been the opposite of anything like that. Um, there hasn't been any stories like that and people come out to defend him. This is a very unusual moment for him. It makes me think about where he's at in his life and where he's at emotionally and... Um, mentally at the moment, but also I just think about he was 30 minutes away from possibly the greatest achievement in his acting career and it will now forever be tainted by this thing that he did at the Oscars. Um, 30 minutes. 30 minutes before he finally got that Best Actor award and it will never, that event will never not be or that achievement will never not be explicitly tied to this other thing he did 30 minutes earlier. 
it's kind of tragic and kind of sad. Um, mm. I'm sad for him on that on that level. Um, it was a good apology that came out the next day that was probably written by a publicist. Mm. Um, and I'm fascinated to see when Chris Rock talks about it and what he says as well. Because I thought we got so much of Will afterwards because we got his speech and then we got all that footage of him like celebrating and dancing at the parties afterwards. Mm. And I was surprised. Like I know some people were very upset with what Chris Rock said and I don't think they should not be. I think there's every reason to be upset with that joke and so forth. But there was not as much concern for Chris Rock afterwards. And considering he was seemed pretty shook up by the whole thing when it happened, um, I was surprised there wasn't a little bit more there's been a bit more concerned about the fact that we haven't heard from him yet or what, how he feels about the whole thing. I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on that? No, I think I think you've pretty much summed it up well. Like, it it does just make me... It, I felt sick afterwards because it just... It's not a good situation for any of these people <laughs> and, like, there's a reason why people don't do this kind of stuff because they're... It, it just... They'll all, always be tired with this event for the rest mm. of their lives it's just like what happened within 15 seconds will be the rest of their lives and it's just crazy um, Bef- before we move on how do you feel this reflects on the oscars or hollywood pardon me in general about how the situation was handled or not handled at the time look i think people uh i think there's a a widespread sentiment at the moment, you know, that the Hollywood elite are these awful people that, you know, they stayed and and applauded Will Smith and they stood behind him after he did this awful thing. And I think you have to understand that, you know, these might be uber-rich millionaires, famous people, but they're all just people. (laughs) And who knows how any of us would have acted in that room and i think it's it's very easy to generalize and judge people and twitter loves doing this and the internet mm-hmm. in general loves doing this but i don't think you can say this is hollywood or this is the academy it's all a whole bunch of human beings who reacted to a crazy moment and people in everyday life deal with crazy ass bullshit and we live and we learn and we get on and things will, there'll be another day and there'll be another movie to celebrate and there'll be another award ceremony. And that's just how it is. I'm trying to imagine like, <clears throat> I keep trying to put it into a context that I would live through. And I, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of an event that would be similar enough. Mm-hmm. And the only one, I, the, the analogy I keep coming back to is like, what if I was at a wedding mm-hmm. and the MC made an off color joke and the groom got up uh, about the bride, groom got up and smacked the MC and mm-hmm. sat back down and then said the same sort of thing that Will Smith did. And what would I do if that happened at a wedding I was attending? And I honestly don't know. <laughs> yeah. It would be fucking awkward. The night would be ruined. I'm not sure what anyone would do in that situation. Are you going to tell the groom to leave? Are you going to get into a fight? But the other like it's. Yeah. If, it, if that groom weird. was your best friend, do yeah, you yeah, think yeah. you would have ended your friendship over it? Probably yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably yeah, not. Yeah. And uh, every, half the people in that room were probably, you know, at least acquaintances or friends with yeah. him. So, yeah. 
yeah, it's it's a. I think the internet has a way of turning things to black and white when yeah. there's so much nuance to every situation. <clears throat> and if that was the one sentiment I wish I could erase from Twitter at the moment, it's the idea that you're either on Chris's side or you're either on Will's side. It's like, mm-hmm. how about both things can be true, that both of them were in the wrong to some degree at the very least. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit more complex than just Team Chris or Team Will. Yeah. I saw... I think it was Chris Miller or Phil, maybe Phil Lord actually said like Team Will, uh, hashtag Team Will was we tweeted. I'm a big fan of of Lord Miller, and yeah. then said I don't condone violence in any way. Um, I don't mean to condone violence and blah blah blah. And I tweeted back to him was like I think you just did. I think yeah. by by like going Team Will, I think you just did condone what he did mm-hmm. to Chris Rock, and maybe yeah. just don't try and make this a binary. Would be a, yeah a, a, the first thing to do. Um, anyway, anyway, <laughs> what what just uh, just add to the pile. Let's just yeah. let's just add to what's already been over talked about. Take after take after take. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Paul, what else have you been watching aside from uh, the Oscars? Just a few quick mentions. I want to acknowledge the fact that I finally finished... Witcher season two. Oh, uh, didn't you hate the first season? I did, uh, and I hated season two less, but I still think it's a bad show. Okay, I think two thirds of it is a bad show. Anything <laughs> that's majority in- bad. Okay, that's a bad show. Yeah, I think anything about The Witcher, about Henry Cavill's character, and maybe two or three other side characters surrounding him. Are solid, mm-hmm. but there's this whole like political plot going on with these warring nations, and everyone looks the same, and everyone has all these stupid names, and they expect you to know where everyone's from and all these backstories, but they don't really explain them. And I've watched you know two full seasons of this show, and I still could have a really hard time explaining who the bad guys are and who the good guys are. And sometimes scene to scene, I forget which side people are on. (laughs) Sure. Um, Like it's got this really great core three, four characters. And when they're just doing their thing, going on adventures, fighting monsters, I can see the potential of this show. And then it forces you. Every episode's like an hour long and about 40 minutes of it is like fucking bullshit. 
Um, so I just want to mention it because I know Damas loves this show and you guys shit on my thing so much. I have to mention the fact that this show is bullshit. Go right ahead. I haven't watched a single second of it. So you <laughs> shit away, Paul. Shit away. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to a new show that I've only watched the first few episodes of. Um, it's airing week to week on Stan mm-hmm. called Minx. 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 M-I-N-X. Yes. So um, this show stars Jake Johnson from New Girl. Um, and it's set in the 70s and it's about a, the one of the first ever women's uh, porn magazines to be launched in America, like with male centerfolds and nude men in it and how uh, difficult it was to get that off the ground. It's, it's so not a true this, story. So why does this interest you? Uh, I don't know. It's quite strange. <laughs> uh, this show has more penises than Euphoria, which is a which is an effort, um, but it's genuinely charming, very funny. Um, the period detail is really good. So if you love shows like Mad Men and Mrs. Maisel for that kind of thing, for the, you know, the 70s vibes, uh, yeah, you will really enjoy this show. Um, half an hour episodes, super easy watch. Uh, I would recommend this to anyone unless you're like super offended by penises. Um, but otherwise, I would definitely give the show a go. So that's Minx on Stan in Australia. Do you know where it is overseas at all? No idea, actually. Okay. That's yeah. fine. Look it up. Look up yeah. Minx. Yeah. Just Google that. <laughs> um, and the other show I wanted to mention, uh, which I mainlined in like two days, was the, late, the new spin-off of Queer Eye, um, Queer Eye Germany. So... They finally ported it to another country. Uh, is I think six or seven episodes is a very short season, um, but I had a thoroughly enjoyable time with this show. It's not as good as the American version. I think it does try very heavily to imitate it, mm. so it doesn't really have its own vibe yet, and it does have a bit of a budgetary constraints. So you're not getting the level of house makeovers that you do in the American version for sure. Like missing that Bobby magic. Yes. Like everything, all the makeovers are Ikea. And a lot of the times they just keep a lot of the stuff that the guy, the the person has in their house already. So it kind of just looks a bit ugly and cheap, but um, the people still have their genuine emotional reaction that will get the tears out of your tear ducks so if you do enjoy the main queer eye series and you want a little bit more of that magic i would give it a go very cool queer eye germany on netflix yes anything else no that's it all right we're gonna finish up then because i've not been watching i've been just watching mostly what we've been uh doing going to review Mm -hmm. we're gonna do now a mini review we've done this once before when we reviewed um the what's what if series the mcu series a while back we're gonna do a mini review of upload season two this is going to be a spoiler review i'm going to start with a quick facts and figures upload season two picks up almost directly from the end of season one with nora leaving her life as an angel of the lakeview digital afterlife behind and nathan still stuck in the basement as a two gig even with the sudden upload of his wealthy girlfriend ingrid if this all sounds like complete nonsense, guess what? It mostly is. Season two of Upload adds a couple of new cast members in Paulo Costanzo, 
on Mackenzie Cardwell and consists of seven episodes, which is three less than season one, each coming in at around 33 minutes and took us approximately three hours and 50 minutes to watch. In getting these facts and figures prepared, I also learned that Owen Daniels, who plays AI Guy, is also a writer on Upload and is the son of show creator Greg Daniels. Yay for nepotism. So, Paul, <laughs> we you suggested that Damascus and I watch and review Upload season one a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. It was, quote unquote, your second favorite show of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we subsequently tore it to fucking shreds because we both hated it. And somehow, mostly because it was only seven episodes, I have agreed to watch season two and to do this mini <laughs> review with you. Yes. Uh, this spoiler review. We aren't going to hold back. Uh, Paul, would you A, like to defend yourself for the atrocity that was recommending season one and B, <laughs> give me your thoughts on season two of Upload? I I think I already did defend my. Uh, oh, did we did, did we give you a right reply at some stage? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I I actually recorded a reply and you played it on the next episode. That's right. That's right. Um, but I'll just reiterate that I think this is a super fun show. I think it actually has a lot of interesting things to say about technology and our uses of technology. I think it had a lot of interesting things, to, or it it had a great perspective on what it's like to be internet dating and I related with that. I thought the cast was super charismatic. I really liked the main couple and I wanted them to get together. Um, I I laughed a lot in this show. I thought it was funny um, and interesting and it showed us a world we hadn't really seen before. So I had a great time and it's, it was, it was, it never outstayed its welcome. They were all short, it's short season, short episodes. I loved it. If you could add not and didn't to basically every sentence you said, you would have essentially <laughs> my thoughts on upload. Um, so is that all applied to season two in, from your mind? Like the, it crossed over. It was just as good in season two. Was there anything they did better or worse? You thought, um, I think season two was pretty close to season one. I would say I still prefer season one more. Um, I think that uh, the it, it didn't seem as focused in season two. Like the season one had the drive of the murder mystery, which this season didn't seem all that interested in at all. Um, but I did like there's a, the inclusion of the... Um, like this kind of cult that Nora joins that are against technology and are trying to bring down everything. I thought that stuff was pretty interesting. Um, But again, like then they bring in a kind of a love triangle plot into that, which we all knew wasn't going to go anywhere and didn't really. And there are a couple of things like there's a, a character that we see is like fat in the real world and skinny in in the upload world, and yeah, I that thought was he was gonna. As well. Yeah, I thought he was gonna play some kind of role, and then never does. But maybe these are all setups for the next season, and this is quite a short season, so maybe it's one of those deals where they had originally planned to do a thirteen episode season, and then Amazon's like, "We'll release half now and half another time, and call it season two and three. I don't know if that's the case, but for the most part, I still had fun with this season. I, I still think it's a solid show, um, and I'm guessing you hated it. <laughs> I fucking I, I hated it as much as I had the first season. There was nothing because because everything that was wrong with season one, for the most part, was still wrong with season two for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
First and foremost, uh, Nathan is a nothing character, and I don't give a shit about him. There is, n- I have virtually nothing to say about him because the show has nothing to say about him. What is their perspective on Nathan? Does it have one? <laughs> yes, he was. He was a greedy narcissist. That was that was who- in, that was in for like three one episode in season one, and we've moved on from that for a long time. We've been past that since about season two of season one. What have they said since then? Well, he loves Nora. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> he, they have like anti-chemistry, <laughs> negative chemistry. There is nothing about them. It's electric. It is the. <laughs> it is. It is inert. It is. The opposite of chemistry. There is nothing about them that is convincing that makes me want them to be together. They are never, ever convincingly, ever convincingly into each other in a way that makes any sense. It's so much saying and never any doing or being. The only way the show knows how to convey any chemistry between them is to have them have awkward awful conversations that are not cute nor funny nor charming they are nothing but irritating and <laughs> they deserve each other because they're equally fucking flaccid which is a word that was used in a um, in a movie we were talking about in a movie club um fuck there is nothing going on there <laughs> i was there ever a follow up in season 1 right the end of season mm-hmm. 1 after Nathan murders a man for her, mm-hmm. um, they are having a conversation on the phone and Nora is expressing her love for him. I don't know if you remember this, but I rewatched yeah. this scene today because I re-listened to my uh, review because I wanted to make sure I was up to date. Mm-hmm. She expresses her love and says, is that something you can handle, Nathan? And then he doesn't answer because he's frozen because he's run out of data, right? Yeah. And then based off that decision... A decision was made in the instant. We don't see a follow-up of her trying to figure out what happened, why he's not talking. He just stops talking completely. And I assume Mm. she hung up the phone and then decide to drive away, um, which is what she's doing at the start of this season. Is there Mm -hmm. ever a follow-up conversation that really explores what happened in that moment and and the disconnect that happened there? Explaining that he was a two gig and that he ran out of data. Explaining that she left the fucking her job behind to never see him again, theoretically. Because of that conversation, does it ever get a follow-up? No. No, it doesn't. They don't <laughs> care about the plot lines that they've established for these characters. They don't care about the emotional through line that they're trying to create. It is just dropped completely. He finally sees her for real one time. They have an awkward conversation like, I am working here again. And they try to get on with it like nothing happened and never discuss it. But then, of course, they naturally grow to fall in love with each other again because they're spending time around each other because they both have the same goals. And then they finally fuck on a fucking hyperloop from Elon Musk. And I'm like, what the fuck is this show doing, Paul? It is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have the audacity to suggest that Nora is a leader. What the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> At what point was there ever a moment that established that Nora, Nora was building herself into a leader? What, how, when, where? It does. They never do the work in this show. They never do the work. But is the show is the show about that? Like the show is is a fun trifle. It doesn't trifle? need to <laughs> shit show is what it is. Go on. I don't know. I, I got caught up. Like so, this this season kind of turns into a bit of a body swap 
where um, another person at the uh, agency or whatever starts using her avatar and then he thinks for one it's episode, her yep. for one episode. Yeah. Um, and like, it's just ideas like that. I, I, I think the show's ideas. It's full of ideas. It has fuck all execution on any of them. I said that I made that as much in my first in the season one review. It's It's got meat on those bones. This is a concept that could be, if done well, could be actually a very good show, an insightful show, a show that comments on uh, capitalism and um, the idea of eternal life and like what if you could live in a world where you can um, like create the perfect body for yourself? How would you choose to live? There's a million different things you could talk about in this. Um and it does nothing with all of those ideas. It, it it presents them at face value and then doesn't go a second further with it. I'm you did mention the Luds, mm-hmm. the Luddites, sort of this idea of these people that are rejecting technology completely. Mm-hmm. So much so they're actually trying to like bring down technology. Um, they they it creates sort of an unequal society and they want to blow up things like not just Lakeview but um, Freond, which is this mm-hmm. free version of the afterlife that Nathan was developing before he died. Um, you found that idea compelling. You thought that was thoroughly explored. It wasn't yeah. ham-fisted and absolutely <laughs> lacking in any depth or subtlety whatsoever. Well, I like the fact that, you know, obviously there is a basis for the LUDs and what they... You can see why that kind of society would form. But then... Yeah, it looks like imi- a super cute getaway. I'd go glamping there. It looked fun. <laughs> but then immediately, like... Anything that human society does, they decide to make it a religious thing and turn it weird and use it to take advantage of women. And, like, I thought that was all, like, it felt real to me. I I could definitely see that happening. If the Luds were a real thing, that's probably where they'd end up. Okay. But so So they present this this LUD society to you. Yeah. And it feels like authentic on surface. Mm-hmm. What do you think they were trying to say beyond people are shit? I mean, people are shit. If people are shit is a pretty compelling thing. Like I, I can get behind that message. Okay. I say it every day. <clears throat> I, there is one character in the show that I still, for some reason, like, even though they're doing their best to make her intolerable. I still mm-hmm. think Ingrid is the only person I give two shits about. Mm-hmm. Um, like the bit where she hired someone to pretend to be her for a day mm-hmm. and then came back and Nathan had the best day ever with her. Another and body swap moment. Another body swap moment and had mm-hmm. the best day ever with this faux Ingrid. Mm-hmm. And she never felt that way and never had that sort of affection for him before. Um, and that was obviously very distressing for her, I thought, was a really good idea and relatively well executed on, at least at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I did call the twist that Ingrid actually didn't upload, that she was doing it from her um, body suit thing, bathtub <laughs> thing. Called that at the end of season one. Yeah. I think the show is doing their best to make Ingrid the villain at mm-hmm. every turn, and yet... She is the only one of our core cast members that actually feels like has any humanity to her. She feels like someone who is passionate about something, who is uh, deeply flawed in some awful ways, but mm-hmm. actually 
feels like a person who has goals and ideas and like more than just, I'm falling in love with this guy because he's in my workplace and we're cute together. Like she is driven in a mm-hmm. way that nobody else in this show is. Yeah. How do you feel about Ingrid? Do you like her? Do you dislike her? Comparing her to, to Nora and Nathan, how do you feel? Yeah, I I really enjoy her scenes on the show. Yeah. Um, I thought the whole thing with her wanting the virtual baby was quite entertaining. Um, I wish I'd gone a little bit further with it, but I didn't hate it too. Again, I think the actress just sells her stuff better than anyone else does on the show. She... Like I think in terms of like acting yeah. skills, she's definitely the standout and, on the and show. And comedy timing. I think she is she's got a an innate sense of comedic timing that others don't. Yeah. And that isn't being directed into the actors to do a better job with it. Mm-hmm. Um and it shits me they keep making her into this like she's the most sympathetic person. They just keep trying to railroad her into a psychopath, basically. Especially by the end of the season. And it annoys me, frankly. Yeah. Um, But it's also opening some pretty interesting doors. Because, you know, by the end of the season, we're establishing we we may have three different versions of Nathan at once, thanks to her. Um, Yeah, if only that didn't completely contradict their established fucking law, yeah, that would be great. In season one, there is this whole bit where Nora has the only copy of fucking Nathan and they cannot lose it or have it destroyed because Nathan will be gone forever. If he downloads onto this fucking laptop or whatever it was, this briefcase thing that she had, this hard drive, and it was destroyed because at one point it looked like it destroyed in the water and Ingrid was fucking upset about it, that Nathan was going to be gone. What do they do at the end of this season? Oh, there's just a backup that was there the whole fucking time. So that was a lie and there was never any actual... Uh, threat of him disappearing or or every threat of that he only had one copy of himself that was a fucking lie and either they didn't think about that last time or they've kept it from us deliberately either way you've just undone drama from your previous seasons because that wasn't true that is bullshit (laughs) (laughs) bullshit i hated that uh, I did. I totally forgot about that happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so did the show. I think. I think the show <laughs> forgot that happened because I don't think they care enough about any of this stuff. It's like when they killed off the fucking cousin who was um, investigating the murders in season one and never came back to that. That was never an important thing. They just killed her off and she was gone. It it did not play into discovering who the real murderer was in any sense whatsoever. The same things kind of happened in this season with this cybersecurity guy. We get to the end of the season and he's like clued onto something. I can't remember what it is. And then he has this awful, awful joke about conditioning his balls in the sink and then we don't see him again it doesn't play into the finale it doesn't play into any revelation it doesn't do anything with it it is amateur hour on this show paul it's fucking bad (laughs) but but you still watch the whole second season surely surely like if it was that bad you wouldn't have gotten through the show, even with my pestering. I have a vow to this show, to this <laughs> podcast, that I will do what is necessary for the sake of content, content, content. And I sat through it and out of friendship to you, even okay. though I'm here to tell you how wrong you are. <laughs> that is the only reason I watch this. There is 
There was no part of me that was curious. There was no part of me that was interested in watching this. There was no part of me that was enjoying it. I think I only time I ever, ever even got close to laughing was actually a line from AI Guy, would you believe? Mm-hmm. Um, there was a bit where he said they were talking about babies and how hard they are to be a parent. He says, oh, I can't imagine how hard it must be caring for demanding and told babies. And just the way it was delivered, it was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, that was actually like a joke. That was a yeah. character-driven joke about his situation, how he's been doing the same thing, but with these adults and this fucking... And they didn't have to like say the joke out loud, which is what they often have to do is then like tell you why that was meant to be funny afterwards. I actually thought that was one well-written line. One. One oh. in the entire show. <laughs> I quite enjoyed AI guy's kind of evolution, like you seeing him like- It's not an evolution. He just suddenly was insightful. There was no evolution. <laughs> he didn't grow naturally. He didn't, he, he's not, it didn't come from anywhere. He just suddenly was like insightful about Ingrid for some reason. It came from S- nowhere. See, I, I mean, it's been a couple of weeks since I've watched it now, mm-hmm. but I felt like the show was seeding that he was- gaining sentience like he was becoming more than just a a dumb computer program and actually becoming genuine ai as the season was progressing but why is it happening now like it's not like there's no sense of why it's happening or if it should be happening or if it shouldn't be happening is this a natural thing is this what i expect to happen you just need any sense of like change of why there's change how long has lakeview been around has he been dumber than this before? And actually the version of, we've seen of him for the last two seasons, the most sophisticated version so far, because everything suggests that this guy is a fucking dolt. He just keeps making mistake after mistake after mistake in a way that doesn't make sense for an AI that's designed, designed to service human beings. Mm-hmm. And there is nothing, the show is doing no work to suggest why this is. If we compare this to The Good Place, Janet evolves. It happens because she keeps getting rebooted. And every time she reboots, she mm-hmm. gets... Um, more and more intelligent and more sophisticated. I just need anything to suggest to me if it's happening and if so, why? As well, opposed to, I'm I'm the actor and the writer on this show. I'd like this character to actually be a character finally. Let's add some stuff. Well, I don't know. It seemed like the reaction he had when Ingrid embraced him- Hugged him. Seemed like it was something that had never happened before and kind of sparked- Something that's uh, there was another it, line I've, I liked. Yeah, go on. I, I just felt like the show was suggesting that maybe that was the inciting incident. Maybe that I wish, I wish they'd lean into it with anything. Um, yeah. the there was another line actually I liked that was talking about what does what does it feel like to wrap your body in um silks and cashmere? And then the other guy says, What's it like to feel your body? And then the AI guy said, What's it like to feel? And I was like, <laughs> But again, like none of that had ever been set up before they had any curiosity and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you're right. If it's there, it wasn't super compelling. <laughs> um, Luke was intolerable in season one, he was less intolerable, but he's still not really a character. I think, like, if you've listened to my show, it's been well established that I am a big fan of good-looking, good-hearted, dumb guys. And <laughs> he, is, he is definitely in that mold. <laughs> like, someone that's really kind-hearted, 
but is a fucking dumbass is so appealing to me. And so I'm, you know, I was quite happy with this shtick. They got him shirtless a few times. Even better. (laughs) Setting a high bar here for our television shows. What can you can you remember any any particular jokes that really made you laugh? Did you have any highlights? Things that like sequences that you loved, you thought really like built in a way that was very funny and interesting and like like in the show as a whole or specific to any uh, to Luke? In no, no, in the show as a whole. I'm moving on from Luke. I have nothing to say about Luke unless you've got more <laughs> to say than I like himbos. Let's move on. <laughs> um. I'm just trying to think now. It has been a few weeks since I've watched it. Sure. Um, Can I tell you? While you, while you think, I'll bring up yeah. some ones. I just, I just, I don't understand. Like, it feels like this show is written by like 14 year olds. Like, there's a bit where I can't remember her name. Like, one of the the boss at uh, Horizon or whatever the, yeah. the the lady boss who's trying to get Leisha to like go up the the promotion ladder, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a bit where she's in a room with like I think it's. The other guy who's a bot, there's like two, and like maybe there's a cybersecurity guy, and there's like, this is the band, guys. And like, her joke is that, like, we should be in a band. Mm-hmm. That, that, Paul, that was, that was the joke. That was the <laughs> joke. It's not a joke. It's just a weird thing for someone to say. Mm. Similar to the, I've been conditioning my balls in the sink bit, and the guy's like, well, there's something really wrong with you. It's like, it really, really, really is like that immature high school level middle school level humor that i don't understand like these are the people that created the office are behind this why mm-hmm. is this making onto television amazon has money they can pay for better jokes than this i'm sure of it they can pay good writers i don't understand how this is making onto television well season 1 was the highest rated sitcom or well, half an hour comedy in amazon history yeah, how many has Amazon had? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Can you name a single other one? <laughs> I'm sure there are other ones. There has to be. It's amazing to be the number that it was both singularly the best and worst because it's the only one they have. Fuck that. <laughs> and I, I, I'd be interested to see uh, season two, how much it ret- retained the, the viewership of season one. I, it's very hard to find any of these figures. but I'd like to know that as well. It'd be interesting to know just what sort of drop-off it had. Um, you, so the PI guy, that went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Multiple times it was sort of alluded to that he was on the trail of something, but never amounts to anything this season. Uh, maybe it's coming in season three, but it didn't amount to a goddamn thing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, did anything last season we found out that Nathan, that Ingrid slept with Nathan's best friend? And I believe mm-hmm. he then told Nathan, mm-hmm. did it ever come up again? No. Did Ingrid and Nathan ever mention it to each other? No. No? Okay. Um, <laughs> we found out that Choke was the guy behind Nathan's murder. Yeah. Um, I called that also on the podcast. That was going to be the case because why else have this fucking character in this fucking show? Yeah. I couldn't have told you the specifics that it had to do with like... I don't know, doing something to do with numbers in swing states, but I fucking told you. I, I was like, well, it's obviously this guy because why is he here? Well yeah. done on that mystery, everybody. It feels like there were episodes cut and considering it was only seven episodes, like there's a lot of connective tissue missing. That being said, they had three extra episodes last season. I didn't feel any different about it then. So maybe There not. was, I have to admit, there were, I th- there was at least one episode where I had to check 
that I hadn't skipped an episode because sure. it felt like it started at a different point than what the other episode ended at. So mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if stuff if episodes were cut or something happened there. Can we just talk about some logic gaps in this show as well? I think, you know, if you're going to establish a world like this, you have to have some semblance of, like, rules and law. Mm-hmm. First thing I always want to know with these digital worlds is why things have to be the way they do. For instance, why does anyone have to... Like, there's a whole thing about um, whether Ingrid or Nathan is going to carry the baby to term, mm-hmm. right? This digital baby they're going to have. Apparently, the idea of a man having a baby is an awful idea, and we should ridicule and mock that, first and foremost. But... Secondly, why does anyone have to carry the digital baby? Why does anyone have to do it? It's a digital baby. It could just appear, a stork could drop it off. It could just be fucking pushed under the door in the night. It doesn't have to. Why? Well, I feel like, because I think the thing is with the, the digital baby, it seems like they want to recreate the actual experience of having a baby, including the unpleasant stuff, so that it feels more like a human experience for these people. Because I feel like the reason that you'd want to introduce it, like, because babies are awful. Babies are <laughs> awful in real life, digital life, whatever. Quote, the reason- quote, quote, quote <laughs> Paul, babies are awful. He hates babies. <laughs> That should be the takeaway from this conversation. That's an uncontroversial take, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The reason you'd have it in this digital afterlife, I feel, is to gain some semblance of reality, of being in a real world with real consequences. And what has more consequences than giving birth to a child, raising it, having to deal with it every day? So... I could understand why they would introduce real childbirth into that process. I could, I could, I can see that if someone wanted it. If you can choose who is bearing the baby, why not have nobody? Do- like that's what I mean. It's like because it is a digital world and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to obey the rules of. Surely that's the appeal, right? It's mm-hmm. not just the idea that you are recreating the real world. It's that there is flexibility in what you can and can't do because it is digital like you mm-hmm. can change your outfit in an instant you can have ai guy click his fingers and all of a sudden your hair is done and like all those that is the point right mm-hmm. of living in digital world so why is it it has to be like that if someone can explain to me if there was a explanation it's like that they, they never go as to explain those sorts of things ever at mm-hmm. any stage and it's like and that's what's so frustrating is it feels like they don't understand their own concept well enough to explore it beyond what is going to be the dumbest, funniest way of mm-hmm. of expressing this idea, which I find very frustrating. The idea that Nathan knew, uh, found out about that he had a real-world body, which he needed because he needed his retina scan done, and then immediately decided, rather than just pretending for five fucking minutes that him and Ingrid were going to be together, which would have saved him a lot of fucking effort, he had to break up with her there and then. Nathan, you're a fucking moron. Just pretend for five more minutes that you're with your girlfriend. It's not going to matter for five five more minutes. I already talked about the fact that they apparently have backups of these uploads, which completely breaks the rules they established in season one. Ridiculous. Who the fuck is Rejoice? And why did she get added to the group in the last episode? Which character was that? Good question. When, (laughs) When Nora goes back to the Luds and needs a group to go and get Nathan's body, right? They, they, she goes ask the pastor and she's talking to a mm. dickhead boyfriend and then Rejoice, who is off on the pastor's side, takes off her like shawl and says, I'll go. Who the fuck is she and why is she in the group now? Why do we do that? 
I feel like she's going to be a character in season three and they needed to take her out. I reckon. Why introduce her then and not give her an actual character? But she doesn't have a character. It's like the people at the dinner party aren't fucking characters. No one sticks around for more than 10 seconds. He introduced that he met that woman when he was in the two gigs and like it lasts all of two seconds where he's stealing money from people and he puts it through the window to her or whatever and does the Robin Hood thing. And she's mm-hmm. never in it again. We don't see her for the rest of the season. She's in the first two episodes or three episodes like that. And then she disappears. She's inconsequential. Mm-hmm. W- why? <laughs> why? Why do this, Paul? I don't understand. Also... The fucking irony of talking about the pitfalls of capitalism on an Amazon show. Go fuck yourself. How hey, dare they? Hey, we're all watching Succession on Binge. <laughs> yeah. And it's not... It is... Sure, totally. That is very, very true. But it is also not painting this picture that it is trying to solve the world's problems. Like, hmm. it really isn't. At, at worst, it is in succession. Like, really, it's a family drama anyway. It's not actually about all that other shit. It's just the setting that it's in. Um, but fuck, man. I just like the preaching that goes on about, like, the corporate structure and capitalism and how they make you depend on your uh, money and stuff like that. And, oh, man. Yeah, especially like, since it's specifically about tech, tech companies. A, a tech company. <laughs> that Leisha has to have two jobs to pay for a shitty apartment. And like, what the fuck is Amazon being accused of with their work? It's not giving them toilet breaks and shit like that. People literally dying on the job, and it has the gall, the gall to 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 reenact it with millionaires. Fucking <laughs> hell! Is there anything I've I've just ranted at you, and you've said nothing back? I need you to defend this show, Paul. You need to give me a reason okay. to tell me. Explain to me what the appeal is here. What am I missing? Look. I'm not going to say that anything you've said is incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) Did I enjoy this show? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What can I say? I watched every episode, loved it. Like, I couldn't stop watching it. I want you to tell me, remind me of a time that you laughed. I want you, I know it's been two weeks and that's fair enough. It's been a while, but surely there's a moment, a concept, an idea, a scene, anything that you go, oh, yeah, that bit was hilarious. I loved that bit. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, <laughs> I did like, I did like when um, he was having, when he had the sex dreams about his angel and then she turns his g- dreams G-rated and he was getting super frustrated about that. That I thought was a funny concept. There was actually a couple of moments in the last episode where I didn't necessarily love the concept, but I thought there was like, they did this family guy thing where they like cut to the event and cut back. And it was like yeah. that quick cut to show it and back before it gets not funny. The same thing happened with the yeah. pigeon's head exploding when Alicia yeah. was outside. And I was like, I mean, you've stolen that. That's a very old concept. That's now 20 years old or more because a family guy, 30 years old. Yeah. But I think you learned what comic timing is for a second there because you actually <laughs> did that right. Like, did yeah. you take a course? Did you do like a masterclass on <laughs> Facebook or something like that? Like, well done, guys. And did you see the after credit sequence in the last episode? No, I didn't know there was one. Tell yeah. me what it is. Uh, so they cut back to him in the, the G-rated dreams. Uh-huh. And then, like, at first he's getting frustrated with it because it's all, like, kids' games. But then he starts, like, 
genuinely playing them and enjoying them increasingly. That that's the that's more funny. Yeah, that's more funny than just I hate being in this cartoon. That's yeah. more funny. Yeah, I will, I'll go back and watch it just to maybe titter a little bit finally at this show. Yeah. That was, was that, it. Was that, that enough? Is I mean, that enough proof? Not, it's not enough, but <laughs> at least you found something you enjoyed. Like I, I've, I've mentioned stuff. I, I thought like a lot of the stuff with the digital babies, I quite enjoyed. Um, sure, sure. And I, and I, I did like the body swapping hijinks. I like the the other girl uh, mm. pretending to be Ingrid. I thought mm. that was all very funny, and like her in that body, I thought was quite well done. Um, yeah, so I. I there was definitely stuff I enjoyed, and I I did get some genuine laughs out of AI Guy this season. Just just explain to me what what is the appeal of Nathan and Nora? Like, what is it? They're just two very attractive people <laughs> that like each other. <laughs> it's nice to see attractive people like each other. Predictions, hopes, concerns. Do you have any predictions going forward into a season three? If there is one, I don't think it's been established if there is. I'll do a quick look up. But assuming there is one, what would you like to see? What do you think we'll see? I think that it it's setting us up for like too many Nathans. Nathans everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing like the Nathans interact with each other and how they handle the fact that there's more of one of themselves, the existential crisis that might create um <laughs> i love i love that because it's like i i see that potential too i have zero faith the show will do anything <laughs> actually interesting with it though um i hope that the show doesn't completely get rid of lakeview i i really like that setting and I like the idea of this digital afterlife and the complexities of it and, you know, what it would l- be like to live in it. I think that stuff's that's what's interesting to me because um, a, a lot of these things are what-if situations. It's like if I were put into this situation, how would I be dealing with it? Um, so, But the what-if what never goes beyond shit's expensive and... Um, what if like internet logic on real world logic, like that, that, that's, that's the two things they do. And that's always those two things. Like the metaverse is just a way to make money. Got it. I I wish they'd done something with the idea of metaverse and NFTs and stuff like that. This maybe they've written it already, but there is, there is actual stuff to talk about there because it's starting to happen in real, in real life. Mm -hmm. And like internet or technology logic on top of real world logic like the idea that the ai doesn't isn't good with smells yet so they turn the smells up and the soup's real fishy Mm -hmm. or whatever like everything's just like oh the computer fucked up or this thing's glitching like the chairs grow really big or whatever (laughs) fuck man it's (laughs) it's a chore watching this show um my other hope is that you watch season three and we can do it again (laughs) That's my ultimate hope. I just hope this show one day makes me laugh. I'd be really, really <laughs> happy with that. Just once. Just once. 
Thank you, Paul, for coming on the show. I appreciate you uh, doing this off-topic, hot topic with me. I think it was a yeah. uh, fun discussion, particularly about the Oscars. I really appreciate that. And yeah. um, may, may upload never get a season three, so we never even have to contemplate watching any more of it. Well, it's strange that it hasn't been announced yet, which is probably a bad sign. How long has it been out for now? At least close to a month now, I'd say. Ooh. It took Cowboy Bebop less than a month to uh, to get cancelled by Netflix. So let's uh, let's see what happens there. Yeah. I think it's a pretty cheap show to make. Although Greg Daniels recently has been touting the idea of um, going back to NBC or Paramount Plus, one of them, to do a The Office spinoff. Oh. Um, he wants to like expand it. He he talked about it like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I got to tell you, I I think this is the wrong <laughs> horse to back. Go back to Mike Sher and leave Greg Daniels where he belongs on Amazon. That's you can stay on. Start making a series on YouTube or something like that. Let him, let him linger there. Or, uh, or upload spinoffs. Oh. <laughs> uh, before we go, I should ask Paul. What have you guys been doing on the Swapcast podcast? What have you got coming up? What's out at the moment? Uh, so our last featured review uh, featured you. And we did, did. Uh, Turning Red, the new Pixar film, mm-hmm. which is uh, highly controversial for some reason. Um, not our episode, the movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, though maybe our episode was controversial. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's our fucking listeners would send us an email. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Um, and then uh, this week, uh, coming out tomorrow, uh, we've got our tenuous swap episode. So every one of our normal episodes, we all recommend a movie that's related to the movie that we're watching on that episode. And then every now and then we do an episode where each host forces one of the other hosts to watch one of the films that they've previously recommended. So uh, this week, uh, I made... Brendan watched this obscure cult classic musical called The Apple from 1980, which is one of the most batshit crazy movies you'll ever watch in your life mm-hmm. about this about Satan owning a record company and um, like it's an Adam and Eve allegory, but set in the future um, where like a music competition w- rules the world. It's it's weird and has like musical sex scenes and it's just crazy sounds like a precursor like we will rock you almost it's like if xanadu and rocky horror picture show fucked you get this film yeah (laughs) well do a lot of drugs and watch that film by the sounds of it there's there's actually a whole (laughs) musical number dedicated to drugs called speed um and uh then lucy made me watch a film called Cat, uh, Cat People by um, Cat Paul, People. Paul Schrader, um, the guy that wrote Taxi Driver, uh, made a film uh, about incest and people turning turning into cats. Um, and wow. uh, Brendan made uh, Lucy watch a film called Shiver Baby, which is a a comedy uh, that came out uh, I think two years ago now about a girl that goes goes to sit shiver with her family and discovers that the man she's having an affair with is also attending that shiver. So um, it's, yeah, a really cool movie. Um, But, yeah, if you want to hear us discuss all that crazy shit, then uh, tune in. Was, was Was it called Cat People? Cat People. Is that technically a swap film by the sounds of it? It is. 
It is. Um, Why would anyone recommend a swap film on a non-swap? Like you, this is your opportunity to do any other <laughs> genre, and someone brings a swap film to tenuous recommendations. I know. Well. Le- Lisi dropped the ball there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all for today. We'll be back <laughs> next week with our review of the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season four, which I believe Damask and I will actually be recording in person, which will be fun for the first time in about a year. Should be cool. Um, in the meantime, yes. Thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs>